Welcome to the Rural Pastor Podcast with your host, Pastor Andy Addis. You plant the seeds in the ground, though the fields have long been brown. But Lord, when will your harvest come in? You're giving all you've got to give in the place where you've been sent. But will this labor make much difference in the end? Will no one ever know? Sometimes you feel so all alone. Like the prophet Jeremiah, you may be the one to go to the dying and the broken with a message of hope. To that church on the corner of that forgotten little town With a room of empty peers where his love can still be found You may never know of all the seeds you sow But it just takes one willing soul to make him Welcome once again to the Rural Pastor Podcast. I'm so excited, and it may sound a little different because we are not in studio today. We're doing a field recording, and we'll explain that in just a second with a couple of brand new friends here on the uh, Rural Pastor Podcast. I want to introduce you to Roger and Glenn. I'm going to let them introduce themselves in just a second here. But uh, we are at a refresh retreat in uh, just outside of Asheville, North Carolina. Isn't that right? You Black got Mountain. Black Mountain. Very good, very good. Uh, and uh, we have actually stolen a corner of a conference room <laughs> at the Billy Graham Center, uh, training center, and, uh, and just because these are some new friends, and uh, I'll let them introduce themselves, and I'll tell you how this came about. But uh, Roger, tell us a little bit about uh, your ministry. Give us your name and where you're located and what you okay. do. I'm Roger Britton. We live in Dayton, Tennessee. I pastor a church in Rockwood, Tennessee, and I also work for the Tennessee Baptist Mission Board as bivocational ministry specialist. What that means is I have a heart for bivocational pastors. I do my best to encourage them, to help them in any way possible, to keep them standing behind the pulpit and preaching God's Word. Amen. And because of that bivocational uh, bent, because of that assignment, that's why we love talking to you right here. We'll get into that more. Uh, but Glenn, go ahead. Glenn Franklin, my wife's name's Tammy, uh, my vocational pastor in Sevierville, Tennessee. Nobody knows Sevierville, but we're right next to Pigeon Forge and Gatlinburg in the Smokies. Yeah, what's funny is when we met you at dinner the other night uh, and you said that, my wife and I, years ago when my boys were real little, did a disciple now in Sevierville. So we were one of those strange people who actually know. <laughs> <laughs> Where are you from? Now, this was really interesting because we're all brand new friends, um, or I'm brand new friends to you guys. You guys knew each other coming in. But we were talking about the podcast, and we were talking about rural ministry and bivocational. And Glenn, you you said, uh, well, Roger, he does this thing for all these bivocational pastors. You threw him under the bus. You you offered him up like red meat to Amen. me, right? <laughs> well, and then he turned around and said, well, yeah, but Roger's one of the guys I work with. So he th it was a double bus throwing yes. <laughs> at yes. that point. And we love it. Uh, and so I want to take just a few minutes, and I want to talk about bivocational ministry. So while you're doing that work, you're also pastoring, right? That's great. You're pastoring. You're, you're a bivocational pastor. What's your other job, by the way? I do artwork at one of the tourist 
stores in Pigeon Forge. Man, that's a great, what a specialty and, and a way to reach out. So we've got a, a, a large community of guys uh, here at the Rural Pastor Podcast who this is the day-to-day, and it can become a grind. It can become very difficult to try and live multiple lives like this. But let me just say, if, you, if you're not familiar with the podcast, we believe that in rural work, there are three big needs. Number one, there are low resources. There's just always a need. We don't have enough people. We don't have enough money don't have enough time, low resources. The second thing is that there's isolation. Sometimes you can feel very alone doing this job. And then the third, especially for bivocational, it's vocational identity. And, and really seeing the fact that you're not one of those on the stage, on TV preachers that's uh, working full time and getting a big salary. Uh, are we the same thing? And, and we battle that because we say yes and then some. So let's take some time to really talk about vocational identity as, we're, as we talk about rurality. And I would just ask you guys, uh, as you'd like uh, to respond, why is bo- bivocational work important in the American church culture today? Why, why is it significant that we should pour into it and value the bivocational pastor? Okay, I'll speak on that first. Um, I believe it's important because most of our churches around, especially here in the state of Tennessee, are smaller churches. Mm-hmm. There are so many small congregations that cannot afford a fully funded pastor. And having someone that is already has is, is established in a job, has a secular job that they do, it gives them an opportunity to come in to do God's work and to lead a church in the way that they feel led by God. Um, some churches couldn't do that. They would just close the doors if they could not have a bivocational pastor to come in. It also gives that bivocational pastor a chance to get out and to meet people, to see people that he's working with, that he is preaching to, uh, gives him that opportunity to pour into their lives, to spend time with them at what they do at home, at what they do at their jobs. So it just it allows him to not only to identify with his vocation as a bivocational minister, but to also identify with those folks in that small community that he is in ministering to. Yeah, they, they legitimately can probably tie stronger to the community yeah. than a full-time pastor. I heard Ben Mandrell from Lifeway say um, a couple of years ago at a conference, the reason that pastors really aren't interesting is they don't have any interests. Uh, and, and if you're a full-time pastor, you know, you get caught up in that church bubble and in that world. But a bivocational guy, you're, you're living in the trenches, you're working every day with those who are coming to the congregation. It's actually, I mean, I, I don't want to say it doesn't make it easier. It's hard. But, but but it is an advantage to some degree uh, to do that. And I think that is one of the reasons it's bivocational is important. It is a big advantage. Um, myself, I grew up on a farm. I grew up doing construction. There's probably not many things in building a home and working a farm that I don't know how to do. So when I go visit, uh, whatever the person is doing, I can help them. I can pour into them. I can tell them, hey, I've done this. And it does give us, it helps to build a bond between people, knowing that I've been there and I've done what you're doing. I've been that per- person that grew up hard. Yeah. That person that had to work, that really had to struggle to make ends meet. And now I'm doing the same thing, but I'm preaching God's word. Mm-hmm. And I'm able to share Jesus with people in all of their settings because God gave me that experience as I have built my 
myself up or has he built me up in ministry? Amen. Glenn, how about you? What, why would you say, if I ask the question, why is bivocational work important? What would you say? Well, one of the things that at my latest church of seven years, uh, Pleasant Grove Baptist, it's in the backside of Newport. And so anybody that knows Newport, that's the moonshiner community. And uh, we always struggle when you visit homes there's an automatic wall built up when you mention pastor preacher uh, they've got a wall that you can just about see in their eyes it, it goes up well as roger shared those of us who have worked in the community in the same kinds of jobs that the community has one of the men told me he said you're one of us wow yeah. And they don't realize every pastor really has been one of us. Mm -hmm. But sometimes, as you say, the, the bubble can be put around in uh, full-time ministry, but uh, the bubble can be put around any Christian if they're not careful because That's we've got word. to connect to the lost in one way or another. That, that when you knock a door and, and visit a home, uh, you've got to get that wall down to where they see you as a guy who puts his britches on one leg at a time <laughs> and uh, one that uh, eats what they eat, where they go, enjoys fishing movies or whatever, just like them. Uh, that's why Christ left the glory of heaven mm. and took on flesh. Amen. He identified with us. So our job as ministers of any kind, bivocational or otherwise, is to try to identify with people in such a way that the Christ in them will take on an identity to them. You know, we talk about, I, I mentioned vocational identity. What you just said there uh, is this, this merging of our theology. We understand the incarnation, that he had to not only come to us, but as one of us. The bivocational pastor is actually doing that. They are coming as one of the community. Uh, you know, I think it's true. When you meet somebody, what's your name? And then what do you do? And we identify people by what they do. do. And, and so that's why, and especially in small towns, preachers lose their name. They're called preacher yes, or pastor, right? Because they see you as the role. But when you're bivocational, boy, you're splitting the difference. Yes. What, what an advantage. I mean, you, I say advantage, but you're working hard. Yes, yes. <laughs> you're just absolutely working hard. Yeah, in my own neighborhood at home, we live in Dayton, Tennessee, and most of the people within... 10, 15 houses of where we live. They don't call me by Roger. They don't call me Brother Roger. They call me Preacher. Yep. All the kids, they call me Preacher. And sometimes I go, hey, I've got a name. But then again, it's a, it's a blessing to have them to say, hey, Preacher. Um, it identifies who I really am. I'm God's call to, to preach the word. So there's times I want to be called, hey, Roger. But then again, I do get a little... You know, smile on my face when some kid comes up and says, "Hey, preacher, can you help me with this, or can you do this?" So that's fun. Well, you know, especially when kids call you that, because that means in the home, yeah. you're being talked about exactly. that role. And, and and while there may be a wall, Glenn, I think you're right. Some, for some people, that wall just goes right up. At least you're identifiable, but it also makes you accountable too, yes. doesn't it? Absolutely. As a bivocational uh, pastor, and people know you as pastor in these small communities, but when you're on the other job. 
do you think that you get judged a little more harshly or do you think they're watching you? Is it, is it more of an opportunity to be Christ in the other job or is it more of a, a hindrance that you think they're watching you a little more closely? Well, once you understand they're watching you, uh, I, I hope people understand whether we're in the pulpit or outside the pulpit, mm. people are watching us. And it's, it shouldn't just be for the pastor. Exactly. And so what I've had to do in, in a tourist field, I, I work in the nation's second largest gift shop. Oh, wow. And when I work in there, our building has Jesus saves across the front of it. Mm. And so they're coming in with that, what is this Jesus saves stuff? Mm. What, what is this? And when the owner allows me to put Bible tracts in each bag uh, to share the gospel and they hear gospel music playing in the background, then uh, they are looking at us. They're seeing, are we genuine? Is this real? Uh, and, and so we're not reality TV. We are trying to be real. And whether it's on the bivocational job or in the pastoral ministry, they're looking for reality. Are we real? Are we... Uh, is the Jesus real that we claim in our hearts? That's what they're wanting to see. And they're seeing it in their territory, yes. right? So it's a safer space for them because they're not inside the walls of your church. Yeah. Let, let me ask you this. Uh, we always, uh, in my mind, I do this all the time. Maybe not everybody else does. When I think of bivocation, I think that they have their spiritual job and then they have their secular job. But it sounds to me like what you guys are saying, what I'm hearing from Bible guys is that it doesn't matter what job I'm doing. I'm always a pastor, whether I'm here or there. Have you had good experiences in doing pastoral work while you were not on the pastoral job? Absolutely. I have. Um, I feel like God had really blessed me throughout my career. I was a computer programmer, computer engineer by trade. and Good grief. What have you not done, Roger? <laughs> <laughs> I haven't been a bricklayer. <laughs> but I have carried the brick to the guy that laid the brick. Uh, and during my career, God really blessed me in places where all of my management knew my background. They knew that I was a pastor. They knew that I preached Jesus. And they always allowed me to be that person. They allowed me to be myself at work. Mm. In fact, the company I retired from actually outsourced to a company so I worked for another company for several years they asked me to come back in-house to work for them and the reason they wanted me back was because they wanted Jesus to be spread in their company oh, man. they wanted me to come there to tell people about Jesus so it was always a privilege God just put me in the place where I was able to be myself mm. to not be something different than I really am and that's a person who loves Christ and who wants to do his best at a job, but wants to make sure that people learn about Jesus also. That's fantastic. How about you, Glenn? Well, one of the things, we have a, a 40,000 square foot store with different needs, people coming in literally from around the world to work in the summers, because in a rural setting, there's not too many people to fill those jobs. Mm. Well, they come to you and they say, we've got a prayer need. And we'll stop right in the middle of the busy retail season oh and we'll ring up as co-workers and we will pray for that situation and many of the customers will come and put their hands on our shoulders and pray right with us 
That's great. And so that's an amazing, that amazing thing to, to get to experience when yep. other Christians on the job who are not working in ministry, but they are ministering to their coworkers. They mm. come and join in, and it, it expresses the body of Christ. Well, and what a way to encourage other believers who would have, you know, they're on vacation, they're in a gift shop, and they're like, oh, my faith exists in this place too. Yes. Uh, and what an encouragement. Uh, you know, as you're talking, it's just great to hear because, you know, I think we, we have this view, and the world is in trouble. There, there are huge cultural problems. But I think that we need to remember, what was that part in the book of Acts where uh, the Lord told Paul, there are people in this city you don't even know about. Amen. They're my people. And when you're working out there and you're living with your faith on your sleeve, you get to see them. And what an encouragement that is. All right, now I haven't given you guys these. I held these back because I want your raw responses to these. But I have what I'm calling four truths about bivocational work. So let's just, uh, let's just hit these. The first one, bivocational work is hard. Right? Let's just lay that out there that, uh, that we want to give God glory and want to be thankful. But the truth is, it can be just hard. Is that a true statement? Very true. It can be difficult. Um, in fact, pretty much everything I've said so far on this podcast is positive, uplifting. What I haven't said is there are days when I feel isolated. Mm. There are days when I feel I'm the only one out there. There are days when I feel like I'm bivocational. I'm half a person. Mm -hmm. I'm bivocational. I could have done better. I could have chosen something better. God had could have given me a better book. Is better, this a punishment? A better job. <laughs> yeah, instead of, yeah. So there's there's days when, you know, I, you know, it's a pity party. I feel sorry for myself, or Satan's on me and trying to say, hey, you're not what you could have been. You're not what you know God wants you to be. But when I stop and get myself back in the place where I need to be. God goes, you're exactly where I want you. You're doing exactly what I want you Amen. to do. And you're exactly the person that I need you to be where you are right now. Yeah, we just heard a great speaker here ending up the, the conference, and uh, his name's Ken Witten. He's the basically the pastor to pastors for the North American Mission Board. And I wrote something down that he said. He said that there are people who can probably preach a better, better than yeah. you. They can preach the gospel better than you. But there is no one who can preach a better gospel Amen. than Amen. you. You know, we all have that same gospel. And uh, I think uh, that's a very real thing that you're feeling, Roger. I think everybody, you know, feels that secondary. And, mm -hmm. but, but it's because it is hard. And when we say bivocational, I think a lot of people think, well, half their job is the church and half their job is yep. the no, you got two full-time jobs. Full -time. There's no part-time work in bivocational work. Uh, so bivocational is hard. Glenn, is that a true statement on your end? It absolutely is. Uh, in the words of that great philosopher teacher of Karate Kid. <laughs> Mr. Miyagi. Mr. Miyagi. <laughs> and keeping the balance with a wife who is struggling with that same Amen. amount of work. They're bivocational when we are. Mm. They're getting things ready for us for this job, and they're getting things ready for the other job, and they're feeding at our schedule, which is not her schedule. Mm -hmm. She's bivocational. So in one sense, she's tri-vocational. Mm. She helps me with one job. She helps me with my ministry job, and then she has her own job. Mm. And then throw in grandkids. <laughs> Okay, and so keeping the balance is, is the difficulty because I want to uh, love them and fill in the slots 
uh, for them. And I always feel inadequate. I always feel like I've not done <clears throat> the best for those who matter the most. I remember you, and you meant this in a loving way. I want to make sure it comes off that way, but I loved at dinner the other day when we were sitting down and you threw each other under the bus that you, <laughs> that you uh, introduced your wife as the staff. <laughs> because yeah. at church, that's that's what she is. She yeah. she is working that same job with you, and it can be hard. It just can be hard because really nothing good. is part time, right? Nothing's part time. Glenn just hit on something that um, that I preach a lot, and you, Andy, taught us something this weekend about rhythm. Mm. Glenn mentioned balance. So we try to balance, and I try to tell bivocational pastors about balancing home, family life, ministry, all those things. But, Andy, you mentioned um, going from surviving to thriving. Right. And right. you gave us an absolute wonderful lesson, sermon, on how to get some from surviving to thriving and how to get rhythm mm -hmm. in our lives and in our ministry. And I absolutely love that. As you began, I was going, are you kidding me? <laughs> this, this, guy's, <laughs> this guy's a nut, you know. <laughs> I've gotten that before. <laughs> I'm, I barely have time to do what I do, and now you want me to get rhythm, and now you want me to start from surviving to thriving, and you want me to start taking more time away from, from work and what I do. Mm -hmm. But as you completed that and as I have sat down for uh, in the last 36 hours and thought and went through exactly what you taught, I'm going, he's right. Mm. You're right. We need more time because we're pulling away from our capability of doing these jobs and we're not being good to ourselves when we continually work, 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 go, mm. go, go, and we don't take time for ourselves, for our wife, for God. Healthy, feeder, healthy leaders lead to healthy churches. Yes. And if we don't have that, then the rest of it gets weak and sick on the way down. So thank you, brother. That's good. Okay, so bivocational is hard. How about this one? Bivocational ministry is missional. And I've heard you guys talk about this already, meaning uh, if I could put it in these terms, Tony Campolo, uh, a teacher that has gone on, uh, but I heard him say one time, if you ever really want to share the gospel, don't become a preacher. He said, because the world won't listen to you. But a bivocational guy who's out there and doing this kind of ministry, you split that difference. I believe that if Tony, and he was speaking hyperbolically, right? You can share the gospel. But, but I think that they do put that wall up if you're just a preacher. You guys aren't just a preacher. You, you have another world when you said in your moonshine territory that 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 you're a preacher yeah. <laughs> you're yeah. a preacher um for you to span that gap doesn't that mean that you live a little more missionally uh like the original bivocational pastor which was the apostle paul right yes well i was saved under a missionary pastor's work mm. he was a carpenter outside of Dayton, Ohio, and he started a storefront mission church in Xenia, Ohio. Mm. And we were an unchurched family. And somebody told us about that church, and we started going when I was around 10 or 11 years old. Mm. Shortly thereafter, 
I gave my life to the Lord, and our little storefront did not have a baptistry, so we went to the stream. And in the February in Ohio, that <laughs> oh meant ice around goodness. the edges. Yes. And you so, had to love Jesus to do yes. that. <laughs> but, but he modeled for us uh, taking Christ uh, to the marketplace. Mm. And in the marketplace, I have been blessed uh, to share. I keep Bible tracts in my pockets, on the shelves, wherever. Uh, I cannot, many times during the work, stop and share 30 minutes of the gospel. But with gospel tracts, mm. I can hand them out or put them in the bag secretly and give them out. Uh, a gentleman from Georgia gives me the wristbands that are rubber that say Jesus loves you. And I use them to introduce Christ to the least of children in uh, honor of my friend and uh, Robert Hopkins, mm. who in his uh, nearly 80, he shares uh, hundreds of bags of those wristbands with me to give out 20 cents each. Wow. And he buys them by the hundreds. Another gentleman has given me uh, 25,000 little Bible tracts uh, to pass out. And in 14 years, 11 cents each, free to wow. me. And then uh, Fellowship Track League gives you Bible tracts free, many languages, and they do it as their mission. So I'm sharing the mission of others. I'm not a one-man mission team. We have the Southern Baptist Convention. We have other pastors praying, encouraging. And so uh, the body of Christ is alive and well mm. in the mission. And so I feel honored that I, get, I just get to be a front man there where uh, as beautiful as my sermons are, they're not knocking the doors down to hear me there. I can share the gospel out in the marketplace and get the gospel out as a model, uh, as an obligation in a, to my Savior, but also as a, an example to my people. Mm. We each You're have, modeling it. Yeah. Yes, we have a circle of influence, each one of us. Mine just happens to have the world coming to me in a large gift shop. But the, the modern church is all about come and see, but bivocational pastors yeah. are by nature go and tell. Yes. Right? They have to yeah. be in that. Now, you work with 100 bivo guys. You try and encourage them or so around that number. Do you see them as missional in the way that they live? Do they, they don't make hard lines between this is my gospel work and this is my. Most of them don't. Some of them do. Some of their jobs require them, you know, this is your job, and they really don't. Only their actions portray Christ, mm -hmm. and which is. What we need anyway. You can still do that? Yeah, yeah we, we need to do that. But a lot of those bivocational guys get the opportunity. They're working, they're doing their jobs, and people are going, wow, how are you doing what you're doing? How do you continue to do this? And they get to say, well, God's helping me. Mm. And then they get to change a normal conversation into a gospel conversation and talk about Jesus Christ. So a lot of them are very missional. Um, I find myself before walking up and guys quit talking because here comes the pastor, here comes the preacher. Um, I love it when... Or they at least change their language. Sometimes I change their language. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but I love it when I go up and I'm working and I'm helping someone do something, whatever it is, and they find out that I'm a minister. Mm -hmm. And they question, you mean you are a minister? And I go, yeah. And... Then I get to share with them and talk about Christ, or to just say, "Yes, I'm a minister. I go to church. I love Jesus," um, and and nothing about the whole 
work ethic or what I'd done changed. It's just, wow, they found out I'm a person, a child of God. So I get to share with them about Jesus Christ. So that's, it's good. It's, it's on the job. It's, it's be, the being job. that missionary on the job. Okay, so bivocational is hard. Bivocational is missional. You're, you're not going to like this one because I'm going to be saying something that you're going to try and be humble, but I'm going to say it. I think bivocational is heroic. And the reason it's heroic is because I'm a full-time guy, and you could speculate about me that Andy just does this for the job or Andy just does this for the paycheck. You could. I mean, you, you, but when you come to Bivo guys, they ain't doing it for the, the paycheck. They're not doing it for the glory. You know that they're doing this because this is what they believe and this is a calling. There is evidence of their calling and dedication just in the, the nature of being bivocational. So let me, th- I, know, I know you may not want to respond to that, but here's what I would say. Bivocational is heroic. True or false? My response would be true. Amen. It is heroic. And you're right. I don't want to say, yes, we're heroic because I don't want to. I put you in a horrible spot. Yeah, I don't want to. I don't feel heroic. Honestly, I don't. I feel like I'm just, I'm Roger. I'm just a person that one day asked Jesus Christ into his heart. God saved me. God called me to ministry. So I'm just a person. Amen. And I'm always the person that WYSIWYG. I don't know if you've heard the term WYSIWYG. What no. you see is what you get. WYSIWYG. I like WYSIWYG. that one. Um, I am what I am. I'm God's child, and I try to live that way before everyone. Mm. Um, but, yeah, I, it's it's. From the person in the pew, though, can you see how that would be? We could make that statement. That being bivocational yeah. is heroic because you have to wear this on your sleeve to do what you're doing. You wear it. Yeah. You do. You work a job. Uh, most of the time my job was 40, 50, 60 hours a week, 70 hours sometimes. And you go to work, you come home, then you change clothes or you go as you are, you hit the mission field. You go visit people. You go see the sick. You go to hospitals. You go see those people in the nursing homes. You go to the ball field and you talk to people. You do whatever you can do after hours, after some fully funded pastor <laughs> he pointed at me by the way <laughs> <laughs> yeah i did point at andy and uh yeah, but you know sometimes fully funded you know eight to five or eight to nine to five or whatever their hours they go home and they and we're jealous a bivocational guy gets a little jealousy because our day begins on the mission field after our day of work mm-hmm. and by 10 p.m we come home we stuff supper down or dinner down real quick uh, we put the kids to bed we have prayer with them and then after that, we pull up to the computer and begin our study time, yep. prep time yep. for yep. sermons. So, yeah, it's they're heroes. They're good guys. They work hard. And you, you can say that because I know you're talking about the guys you work with. It's hard to say that about yourself. It I'm is. not going to make you say it about yourself, Glenn, but what I'm saying is that we see that in you, that, that there is no denying what you believe because of how you live. Amen? That's right. But, you know... I always go back to uh, Apostle Paul. We would argue the greatest theologian of all time. It took time to sew tents together. That's right. The original Bible. So we could uh, get the gospel in places that uh, the gospel was not allowed. Mm. And so we're building on the backs of real heroes. They, uh, in their day... Nero's time, they were turning the world upside down. Mm. 
And I don't, uh, sometimes I feel heroic, but then other times I think, I'm not turning our world upside down. And so I think of him, I think of uh, Christ himself, that great carpenter, mm. and, and yet uh, he had to go out and, and build disciples. Mm. And we are standing on the backs of men. That's right. Jesus was a man. Paul was a man. And, and so uh, our greatest hero is God himself, and uh, we're, we're just simply going out because we've been loved. Mm. Uh, the Father loved us, John 3.16. Jesus loved us, Galatians 2.20. Mm. The Holy Spirit, Romans 5.5. 5. He gave us hope that maketh not a shame, for the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost, which is given to us. And then on down, Romans uh, 5.8. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. That's the real heroes. And so if we do anything heroic, it's on the shoulders of guys that, that told us that. And so yeah. uh, it's just our time to hold the baton in the race. Wow. And so we're just carrying on what has been handed to us. With God's grace, we'll hand that baton on to the next group or next generation. Mm. And, I like that. And, and really they're good. going like to uh, be heroes. And uh, as uh, I believe Paul wrote in the Hebrews, uh, we are surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses mm -hmm. that are testifying of what they did in their faith, even to the point of being sawed asunder or whatever. And uh, I've been a little battered with insults and things, but I've never been threatened being mm. sawn asunder. <laughs> and so, uh, Perspective. Perspective, yes. 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 But anyway, I, uh, the, I, I'm, I'm carrying on what heroes have handed to me. And I, my trembling hand says, I hope I can be the hero that I need to be for the lost and dying world that Jesus wants to say. That's so amazing. I, and I, I love the fact that you, you, you say the absolute truth that we have done nothing, that we are not standing on a foundation that was laid before us. Amen. First of all in That's Christ, true. then those who yeah. have built upon that. But I, you know, I, threw, I, I, I told them what you were doing because they couldn't see it when you pointed at me. I want to tell you, Glenn did all that scripture by memory. There's no Bible in yeah. front of him. That was, that's great. I love it to hear that pouring out uh, of the hearts. Now, this last one, four truths. Bivocational is hard. Bivocational is missional. Bivocational is heroic. This last one, I'm not even going to ask you to respond to. I'm just going to, I, I want to wash this over you. Um, and it's this, that bivocational is brutal. It is a combination <laughs> of brutal and beautiful. Amen. <laughs> I haven't heard that one before. <laughs> it is brutal. That there's just a beauty. And what we've talked about, there's a beauty in it, but there's yeah. a brutality in it. And so, again, not even asking you to comment, just to let you guys know and what you do, loving on bivos and being one and, and years in bivocational work, to, to just say thank you for taking the shots, even though you haven't been sawn asunder, uh, but taking the shots. Because it's especially hard when your wife, Yes. is involved in all that, and they have to see this and carry that. It's, it's brutal um, because it is also actually beautiful. You wouldn't receive those shots if you weren't. I have a pastor friend who says, if you're taking flack, it's because you're over the target. 
<laughs> right? <laughs> the only reason they're shooting at you is because you're over where you need to be. And it's just brutal. Now, there's a resource the North American Mission Board makes known uh, to all small churches, rural churches, Bivo guys. If you need a vacation, it, for a weekend like this, somebody had to cover the pulpit for you. Uh, they had to be out. And you may be in a spot, you say, well, we could never get away to something like that because we don't have that. Well, you probably do. You can raise one up. But in the, in the gap, there's something called the replanthub.com. And there are a multiple amount of churches that are giving away all their resources, including weekend teachings. They want relationship with you. Let me just say this. If you're saying, I don't know how to get away. I don't know how to get healthy. I don't know how to catch up. Listening to guys like this and being encouraged in networks like you guys are is one step. And then tapping into resources like Replant Hub, I just pray that you would find a way that you would crawl out from under the tremendous, brutal weights of what it is to be bivocational and allow yourself and your family to be healthy as you go down this journey as well. That would be my prayer for you. So could I ask, here's what I'd like to do as we wrap up this edition of CPXL. Before I give a, a concluding thought, I would love for the two of you to pray for bivocational pastors. Uh, as they're listening to this, and there are guys who aren't bivo, but Roger, if you'd start, and Glenn, if you'd finish up, if you guys would just pray for bivocational pastors, a blessing on them, their family, their work, whatever the Lord leads you, we would love to have that benediction over us. Sure. Let's pray. Dear God, I thank you for today. I thank you, God, for your blessings. God, I thank you for bivocational pastors. Mm -hmm. I thank you, Lord, for those who are willing to give of themselves, their homes, their time, their talents. Lord, to see that Jesus Christ message is spread around our world mm -hmm. god i just ask that you will give them rest god we have been able to come this weekend we've been able to come and relax we've been able to come and be refreshed and i just ask god that you give other pastors that need that the opportunity to come and to do the same thing mm -hmm. lord to just be refreshed to be able to stand in those pulpits and proclaim your message with a refreshed mind refreshed spirit god that jesus may be glorified and that Jesus may get the honor. And God, I do ask that you lift up those homes, help them as they try to balance, Lord, help them to get that time that they need in their lives, get it in perspective so that they can talk about Christ, and Lord, so that they can relax with their families, and God, so that their spirits will be in touch with you. God, I thank you for men who give of themselves so much every day, so in such a way, God, that they just struggle and they hurt. And God, thank you for men like Andy who is willing to come and to share and to help and to lead us, to give us some things that we can put into our lives, put those things in place that will help us to get rest, to be refreshed. And I just ask, God, that you'll just bless all bivocational ministers around our world today as they proclaim the message of Jesus Christ. We thank you, we praise you, and we love you. In Jesus' name I pray. Father, we continue to pray, Lord, uh, remember, remembering again Paul's statement, who's Apollos, who's Peter, uh, who's Paul, and I would add, who's Glenn? Mm. It's Jesus. He is the author and finisher of our faith, and so when we feel the struggle, Help us to realize he struggled perfectly as a bivocational minister, uh, going about unappreciated, shamed, spat upon, and Amen. cursed, and 
by the religious elite. And yet, for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross. And so, Lord, uh, as we struggle, help us to realize he took eternity of sin upon his shoulders and bore it on the cross. And so we don't have to do that. It's been done for us. So we're, we're planting and watering, Paul said. We, we just plant, we water. God brings the increase. So, Lord, help us to realize how little uh, we're trying to do all this work and balancing ourselves. And, and really, we just need to point people to Jesus Amen. with a relaxed heart that the Holy Spirit will do what only the Holy Spirit can do. The Father will draw only as he can draw. So we're trying to draw and we're trying to uh, do Holy Spirit work and that's not our job. Mm. We're just to proclaim our God. Mm. And so Lord, help us to realize you're God and we're not. And help us to uh, put this back on you. You can handle it. And help us, Lord, to uh, realize you just need clean vessels Mm. that you can pull off a shelf and use in whatever way and and then you can use another guy and another guy and lord i thank you for our bivocational ministers but i thank you for our full-time guys they're on the same team and they uh, many times we are managing small churches and uh, they're managing hundreds of people and hundreds of ministers and dozens of uh, volunteers I pray for Amen. them. Amen. They're on our team. And, and, and if they're doing well, it's because you gave them grace. Amen. And so, Lord, we thank you for each minister from the nursery worker wiping a baby's nose all the way up to the theologians and the seminaries trying to keep us straight. We're all in this together as a body of Christ. Amen. Help us to remember that and that we have already won the victory in Jesus. And so, Lord, glorify your name, strengthen us for your glory, and help us to keep slinging stones at the devil because you have got the victory. We praise you, and I thank you for Andy, and I thank you for Roger, and I thank you for these spouses uh, that are so willing to do what they do without being titled pastor or reverend. Mm. Thank you for them. Glorify your name. We love you. I love these guys. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 What a privilege to have this conversation today and even more for this incredible opportunity the Lord's given us just to be together at this. We have to exit. We are once again at the Refresh Conference. North American Mission Board put this on. We're at the Cove Billy Graham's Training Center. And I got to be straight up. I love Kansas, but it ain't this pretty. <laughs> it's going to be hard to leave this place. Uh, thank you, Andy. Love you guys. Um, and uh, we can't wait to get this message out to everyone. Bivocational pastors, the reason that we're doing this is that you deserve to be poured into, patted on the back, and uh, we are so appreciative of what you do. You are hardworking, missional, heroic, and doing some brutal stuff. So Amen. thank you, guys. Blessings, and we'll see you again real soon on another episode of the Rural Pastor Podcast. Like the prophet Jeremiah, you may be the one to go to the dying and the broken with a message of hope. 
to that church on the corner of that forgotten little town with a room of empty pews where his love can still be found you may never know of all the seeds you sow but it just takes one willing soul to make it Thank you for joining us on the Rural Pastor Podcast. Special thanks to Chosen Road for our incredible theme music and to 180 Digital for their corporate sponsorship and making all the technical things possible. Rural Church Leader, we want to remind you that your work is important, that you are important, and that you are not alone. See you again soon for another edition of the Rural Pastor Podcast.